Amen. Thanks for the welcome. Now let's welcome Jesus. Amen. You got to do better than that. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm so excited to uh, have this opportunity uh, to speak to you about a word from God, I believe. Uh, it's definitely from God. I don't you know, take it lightly whenever I get the opportunity to do this. Because uh, the word of God is, is just so powerful. You don't want to mishandle it. Um, and so, you know, as I uh, speak, uh, I pray that uh, you receive a word from God, from my lips, but from God. Um, do you mind standing once again before we start? I uh, just want to ask God for his blessings on his word. Lord, we come to you today, Lord, just in awe of who you are. We are so grateful for what you do, for who you are in our lives. We just pray this morning, God, that even as I speak the word that comes from you, that you will just saturate the hearts and the minds of your people. Open up the portals of heaven and pour out in each and every heart and mind here today. And we just pray, oh God, that the word will go forth with power and clarity and it will not be snatched up by the enemy from our hearts, but we will keep these things as we reflect on you. We thank you for the opportunity to be alive once again, and we know that you will continually be with us. Go before us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was thinking about this message, well, Happy New Year to anybody who I've not said that to yet. Um, this is the first Sunday of the uh, year, um, so I want to, first of all, put that out there, be respectful. Uh, so Happy New Year. Um, but I was thinking as I was getting ready to uh, preach here and you know, trying to figure out you know, what I should talk about, uh, this whole idea of you know, a new year and kind of the thoughts that go into that and you know, how people kind of anticipate what is coming up. Um, and as I uh, think about you know, a new year, you know, in a general sense, um, a lot of people, you know, you'll see their uh, social media statuses, you know, they'll say something like, new year, new me. Or they'll have a list of things that they want to get accomplished throughout the year. They'll have their, quote, New Year's resolution. Uh, how many people had New Year's resolution this year? Come on, don't be ashamed. I have one. My, my, my New Year's resolution, and I told my wife, is to be a healthier eater. I eat a lot of junk. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but we have these New Year's goals and resolutions and all these things that we want to accomplish. We're making new plans. You know, maybe 2018 didn't go as we wanted it to. And so we try to amend the year by making these plans as we go into a new year. And we live in a time and a world where when we think about the future, we can't help but have mixed feelings about it. There's some people, they have positive thoughts about what's supposed to come, and others, they have negative thoughts about what is coming. 
Um, and it's so funny to me because, like, even in our country, depending on whether your favorite candidate is president or not, it determines how you project what is supposed to come and how you anticipate the year. Like, if your candidate is not in and the other party is in power, then you're like, oh, we're doomed. Don't know what's going to happen. And from, from, from what I've realized, we've been doomed for a very long time now. Well, we're still here. Um, and so we have these projections about the future, some mixed feelings, some positive feelings, optimistic feelings, some negative feelings, not sure what's going to happen. One thing that has been true from generation to generation in our earthly life is consistency with uncertainty. Consistency with uncertainty. We are, as human beings, unsure, uncertain what the future holds, what the future will bring. There's only one person who for sure knows what's going to happen, and that's God. And so we operate in this realm of uncertainty. And so our feelings and our anticipations are mixed. One thing for certain is that from the worlds we're made every year, there is always positive things happening and negative things happening. In 2018 was no different. There were some good things. There were some good times But there were also some hard times and some bad times. And so people have these resolutions. And I'm here to tell you that 2019, there's going to be no difference. There's going to be some good things happening. But there's going to be some bad things happening. But for us as Christians, we have to take a different approach to how we anticipate what our lives are going to be. 2019 will be filled with both threat and promise, success and failure, ups and downs. However, as we anticipate these things, God has given us the freedom to make a choice how we are going to approach what's to come. We can approach it with doubt or we can approach it with faith or belief. We have a choice to approach the future with worry or we have a choice to approach the future with believing in God. What is going to be your projection for what's to come? In the field of psychology, there is what is known as the negativity bias, also known as the negativity effect. It's the notion that even When of equal intensity, things of a more negative nature, example, unpleasant thoughts, emotions, or social interactions, harmful or traumatic uh, events, have a greater effect on one's psychological state and processes than neutral or positive things. In other words, we are more likely to think negatively than we are likely to think positively. Some psychologists uh, describe it as the way how we defend ourselves from hurt, from harm, and from impending danger. 
And so we have this negativity bias, and we're all wired with it. Don't start pointing fingers now and be like, oh, yeah, she's negative, but I'm not. We all think negatively. There is something somewhere that we are worried about at a given time. And with this negativity bias wired in us, we approach the future in the very same way. We can think negatively and worry about what's to come, or we think positively and we believe that the best, as Pastor said earlier, is yet to come. Especially with the social climate in our world today, with wars and rumors of wars, there is not a lack of trade battles and political battles on the horizon and presently happening battles within our communities, our families, and sometimes the battle is even within our own selves. And we are constantly fighting these battles, and this causes us to get into a state of worry. So many in the world today, they're looking for something to hope in, something to believe in. But as we as a church move forward, we know it's not something, but it's someone. That people are looking for answers, and we have the answer. We have the answers, or rather, the answer for the world today, says an old song. Corey Ten Boom, you might know this name. She trained to be a watchmaker herself and in 1922 became the first woman licensed as a watchmaker in the Netherlands. However, she did not become well known for her watchmaking abilities, necessarily. If you know anything about her, you know that the Boom family, in the time when the Nazis in World War II were invading the Netherlands, the Dutch, what they did was created a space in their homes, in their place, to hide these Jews from persecution. And so, for her, she's known more so for her courage and, you know, just her, her character. And I believe as I was reading her story, that she was more inclined to believing and having faith in God and a good outcome rather than worry about what is going to happen to her if she did what she did. And she's known for many popular quotes, but here's one that she said about worry because we're talking about worry or belief. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So the time and energy that we spend worrying about what could be or what the circumstances should be, it's not helping us. As a matter of fact, according to her, it's emptying us of our strength to function in the present. And on the flip side, she said this about believing in God. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I want you to think about that for a second. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. See, the thing about time is that nobody knows what will happen in the future. But there is someone who we know 
who holds the future in his hands. See, God is not constricted by time. He operates in the realm of eternity. 2019 does not change his projections. He's not worried about anything. The Bible describes him as the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He already knows how the story will end. Now, isn't that somebody that you want to trust in? The person, the very person who holds eternity and time in his hand. Let's go to our text here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. I was thinking about this story as I was thinking about worrying and believing and how we approached our future. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, many of you know as Abraham, he became Abraham later. God said, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. So he says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. If you know anything about Abram, he was in a good, 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 good place. Being at home, he had what he needed to function. Things were going well. And here it is that God comes in and kind of disrupts his, his flow, so to speak. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to send you to a place, Abe. That's what I think God called him anyways. <laughs> Throwing out nicknames. I'm going to send you to a place, Abe. And Abraham's response was, all right, yes, God, I'm ready to go. Undoubtedly, you hold a future in your hands so you, you know, know what's to come. I'm ready to go. All right, where are we going? And God says to him, I will show you. Now, if that's not uncertainty, I don't know what is. God says, I'm going to send you to a place. But when you're inquiring where, God, where do you want me to go? He says, don't worry, just go. I will show you. How hard would that be to proceed with an uncertain future. See, for us, we set up our lives in such a way that we can eliminate some of that uncertainty, right? We get a job and we buy a house and we make sure that our finances are in the right place to ensure that our future life is going to be great. And so we depend on these, these things oftentimes. And I love the uh, obedience of Abraham. Abram, his name was at that point. Here, verse 4, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. So he moved every single thing, all his possessions, all the people that were around him, and he was going where? To a place. Which place? I don't know. Only thing he knows is God says, I will show you. And so the story of Abraham intrigues my spiritual being, especially their obedience, because it's like, I don't know if I would do that. I, I don't, I, 
it's, it, it's hard to say because the guy who was preaching the word is saying, like, I don't know if I would do that. And so it takes in, an incredible amount of faith to believe God for the uncertain. And no doubt going to a place where you don't know might leave you with worry. But here he was believing that God will keep him. Verse 11 is where we pick up Genesis chapter 12. He says, the word says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And so we see here the same Abraham, great man of faith. Here he is that it comes to the point where he has to put this thing to the test. And in verse 12, he says, they will say this is his wife. Let's kill him. So he's worried about his life. Even though God already gave him a promise that I'm going to take you to a place and I'm going to show you the place and I'm going to make you blessed. He was still worried about what would happen. Not only was he worried, but he says, I'll tell them that you are my sister. So he began to encourage lying. The same Abraham, the one of great faith. Then he said, they will, then they will spare my life. So he's more trusting in what they can or won't do than what God can or will do. It's what I call misplaced belief or hope. And oftentimes, worry causes that. Instead of trusting and believing in God and his promises, we start to worry about what is going to happen in the future. So often uh, we are presented with life circumstances and even though we get a word from God, from the preacher on Sunday and we're motivated coming out of this place, by the time it gets to Tuesday and the circumstances start to face us, we start to have a different approach. Instead of believing and remembering the word of God, we start to worry. Oftentimes we get sidetracked by things that we have to do, that we have to attend to in our busy lives. And it seems like the more we do to create less worry for ourselves, the more worry doesn't go away. And by default, the less we believe in God. The presence of worry is the absence of belief at any given moment. You can't believe God in a moment and worry at the same time in that same moment. You've got to choose. I'm going to trust God or I'm going to believe. And undoubtedly, there are periods of times where we have mixed feelings. Sometimes we are worried and then we read the word or we come to church and then we start believing again. And then we go back and we face the circumstance and we worry in the same season. That's human nature. 
Every moment we spend praying is less time we spend worrying. And we show that we are trusting and moving in belief versus fear or worry of what is before us because we are going to God. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because you have to believe in him first. And that takes faith. Not only do you believe that he exists, but you, as the Bible says in the King James, you believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So not only are you trusting and believing that God exists, but you're trusting and believing that he has a plan for your life. And even though things might be rough now, ultimately, things are going to be working out for your good. Let the church say amen. So the scripture encourages us to not worry. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. I love this whole 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 passage. It gives a lot of commands and things that will undoubtedly encourage you. But we're in verse 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You've probably heard that before. Pray without ceasing. Why do you pray without ceasing? It's kind of like I mentioned earlier, because every moment we are in a true connection with God. And that's what it means to go to God in prayer, to connect with him. When you are in a true connection with God, it's hard to worry. It really is hard to worry if you're truly connected with him and you're truly believing in him. And so to eliminate our worries, we've got to connect and we do so in prayer. Fear and doubt and worry will take precedence in us when we diminish or fail to acknowledge the presence of God in our lives. Oftentimes we get to that point when we look to and seek other things and other people for hope instead of God. The question is what are you hoping in or who are you hoping in? Is it God or is it something else? Because I can tell you that if it's not God, then it's going to fail ultimately. There's no true peace or true contentment outside of God. And I say that without hesitation. There's no true peace. There's no true contentment outside of God. You just cannot do it. You might have a high for, for a while. You want something, you get it, you're happy for a quick second, and then you're like still looking at it. I, can, I can't tell you how many things that I've tried to achieve in life and I've gotten there. And it just lasts. I'm not going to lie. It lasts for a quick second. Because you're like, oh, yay. So happy I got it. And then after a while, it's like, oh, yay. Oh, oh yay. Oh, yeah. And it starts to diminish. But God has created us in such a way that for us, To be truly satisfied, we cannot be satisfied with anything else outside of him. Only God alone can satisfy our lives and our souls. We cannot rely on what we have or even who we are. What we have and who we are is because of God anyways. He created it all. And so we are not owners of anything. The Bible calls it stewards. 
We're stewards of this. If, 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 if you think that you own what you have now, check back with me about 100 years from now. And let's see if you still own it. So many times when you look at people who die, they leave all these things behind. You cannot bring it with you. You don't own it. You are just a steward while you're passing through this life. But we have hope. Not just in this life. But we have hope in what's to come. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, if only in this life we have hope, we would be men and women most miserable. If we're only trusting God for things that can happen here, then we're missing it because there's so much more to come. And so I love this song, this old time song. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Because it's on Christ. He's the only solid rock which we stand. Every single thing else is sinking sand. No matter what you have, it can be taken away in a matter of seconds. And so we have to trust the one who holds it all. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 in the NLT. The Bible says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. As I mentioned before, he operates in eternity. And so 2019 is just a blimp on the screen. For us, it's meaningful because it's a year of our lives. But God operates in such a way that, as I mentioned earlier, he's Alpha, the Omega, beginning, the end, the first, the last. He, knows, he knew what would happen before the, the world was even formed. He knew what 2019 would be like. And so we have to trust that God. Psalm 139, and I'll start to wrap up here, and I'll ask Reese to come back as we uh, start to wrap it up. Psalm 139, it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You go before me and you follow me. I did this illustration in the first service and I want to do it again. Autumn, can you uh, volunteer again for me, please? Jenna, can you help me out? So the scripture says, this is David. He says, you go before me and follow me. Can we take it to Psalm 23? You go before me and you follow me. The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. So Psalm 139 says, he goes before me. Uh, Who wants to go before me? 
Jenna, you go before me. Autumn, you follow me. One second, I'll give you the cue. <laughs> that, that's God talking. So, so this is God that goes before me. And this is God that follows me. So in my journey in life, this is what it looks like. God number one, or, or God, you're omnipresent, so you're just God. You can lead me. So I'm going, and the Bible says that God leads me. But not only does he lead me, he follows me. So Psalm 23 says, he leads me beside quiet waters. So this is God in front of me, leading me beside quiet waters. But not only does he lead me, he follows me. But here's what David said in verse 6. He says, surely your goodness and your mercies, the King James Version says, shall follow me. When? All the days of my life. And so as God goes before me, all I see in front of me are his promises. God before me, he operates outside of time. God before me is my future. God behind me is my past. And so as God goes before me in my future, he's leading me beside quiet waters. And he's following me with goodness and mercy. And so what happens is, and I really want to make this point, what happens is when God goes before me and he follows behind me, the question is, what happens in the present? Can we go to Psalm 46, I believe the next scripture is? It says, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. Susan, can I get you to be God in the present? And so when God goes before us, that's our future. When God follows us, that's our past. Watch what happens in our past. King James Version says, Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so, God is walking with me in the present. So he never leaves me. His presence is always with me. But even in the present, when I don't get it right, when I mess it up, and I don't do what he wants me to do. As I step forward and I go to the position where he is. Then he follows and takes the position where I was. And what's happening in the position where I was? The Bible says that his mercies. See that is why we have this hope. This blessed hope. The word of God said it's because of his mercies why we aren't consumed. And so when his mercies follow me in the past and he's in the present and he's in the future, I have hope. I have something or someone that I can trust in. Thank you, ladies. And I can hold on to. Can you stand with me this morning? God wants what's best for you. God wants what's best for me. And all we have to do is just believe, believe in him. It's hard. But if you can just believe, 
the good, the bad, all of that comes together. But the scripture says, and this is what I love. No matter what good things I do or happens to me or what bad things I do or what happens to me, as long as I'm believing in God, the Bible says that it's all working together ultimately for my good. And so if you can just believe that this morning, 2019 will be all right. Because when things aren't going too well, ultimately it's going to work out for your good. As long as you keep following Jesus, as long as you keep believing, can you do something right? Just lift your hands right now and say, Lord, come on, say, Lord, I believe. Say, Lord, I believe. No matter what it is, I believe. Put your hands together for the Lord. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't have this hope, if you don't know him personally, I encourage you, don't go through 2019 without him. Please don't. We're having our uh, water baptism here in a second. If you didn't bring any uh, clothing or articles to change, we have stuff for you here, right, Pastor? Amen. And so I want to take this moment for the people who don't know God and don't have a personal relationship with him. Can we all bow our heads? If you don't know him personally, say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize, God, that life, no matter what I do or where I go, is uncertain. And the only certain thing is you. I open my heart today. I trust and I believe in you. Because I know you'll work things out for my good. I receive you today in Jesus' name. And if you are still walking with God and somehow you feel like you just can't feel his presence, you feel like life has sidetracked you and you're so focused and concentrated on other things all you have to do is just go to him he is there he's an ever present help he never leaves nor forsakes you he's always there father I thank you for your people here God I pray that you'll touch their hearts bless them keep them Lord keep their eyes on you help them to believe in you And I pray, oh God, that you'll help them to trust that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it is, that you hold them in the palm of your hands. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert, for bringing us the word. Can we hear it for Robert one more time?